What's the model for revival and how do we push forward this week on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook? Hey, greetings, folks. Apostle Lewis here with you. So glad you're with me. Um, a little late this week. I got, uh, we took an emergency trip up to Asbury in Kentucky, uh, me and uh, five others, and uh, just to spend 10, 15, you know, 10, 12 hours or something like that in the presence. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, and so let's talk about revival. Let's talk about uh, repentance. Let's talk about um, where do we go from here? Is it God? Is it not God? All those kind of things. And we'll see where that goes from that. I hope um, you're having a wonderful day. I'll show you my little apple mug. Um, mm -mm, having a late afternoon coffee. And I hope you are being extremely blessed by the Lord. I know I am, and I am that you're here with me today. So, you know, what is going on and what did I witness up there? And um, I'm going to just tell you that for me, uh, it was awesome. Um, I've been blessed in my life. And, you know, in 32 years, there have been several revivals in the earth since I've been saved. Uh, the first one I experienced was 93 to 96 with Rodney Howard Brown. And I haven't left that revival. To me, the joy of the Lord, what I gained in that revival, I've moved forward. Brownsville, Airport Vineyard in Toronto, Lakeland revival would be the next three. There's been other pockets, but those are the big ones. That's four. And we haven't had a lot since then, to be honest with you. Not big ones. And in Bethel, let's just call Bethel, Bethel. Bethel just walks in revival. And that's basically where I've been, you know, going to since 07. So I never made it to airport, but airport was kind of brought over to Bethel. And I kind of, um, my identity, my tribe is Bethel. Now, I don't care about tribes when it comes to God's spirit. Um, um, it just was easier, you know, when Bill laid hands on me, that just drew me out to Bethel. And... That place has been, I call, I tell Bill, it's the mothership for me. He said, that's the way I feel about Toronto when I go to Toronto, because that's where, you know, kind of that comes from. And look, I, I, I love Rodney. I love everybody. Okay. I don't have this. I'm not a, I'm not a stream guy. So I'm not a guy who needs one particular stream. I believe many streams make a river. Um, and, and so you could probably say that I'm in the Bethel stream, but I will never forsake any other stream of God um, because I want to flow downstream and get into, you know, as they come together, they make the river of the Lord. And we're supposed to have rivers of living water, not streams of living water. And I want to be in the river of God, wherever, whatever he is doing. And so we got up there, I think it was day 10. Um, and... Um, was the worship from the stage awesome? No, none of that was the focus. The people were the focus. Like God was, what God was doing collectively was so beautiful. And meeting so many people at different places, most of this is dealing with prodigals coming home. Okay, they're the under 25 crowd that's wounded, hurt, got caught in sin, sexual immorality, 
um, addictions, all that stuff. And they're the ones that start us now. You know, you're going to hear negative reports, positive reports. That's normal. People ask me, that's normal. We heard it during Rodney. We heard it during Brownsville. We heard it during Toronto. We heard it during Lakeland. I mean, as soon as Lakeland blew up, there was people so against Todd, they created websites against the Lakeland outpouring. So, so that's, that's just normal. And you sometimes have to remove yourself from that noise as you go. You have to remove yourself from the noise. And for me, I didn't go there to check and see it. I didn't go there to see if it was real. I, I, I Look, let me tell you something. Um, I knew it was real. I knew God was moving. You can't do that falsely. The devil doesn't honor Jesus at all. You know what I mean? So if they're all coming to Jesus, and you might go, well, you know, is it?" I heard one comment, is it the true gospel? Well, number one, what is the gospel? It's opening prison doors. It's setting captives free. Now, when we can talk about doctrine of you know holiness and morality, that's that what comes after the cross. Like you don't go into that to find the cross. You find the cross, and then you learn how to walk out your your righteousness, your salvation. I do believe, by the way, I wholly believe in sexual purity, morality, and all that. So just so you know, I am a holiness guy. I I love the holiness of God. I've been pursuing it for over twenty five years. Um, it's been something I study quite frequently and literally I'm writing a devotional on holiness. Just, I'm writing a devotional on it. Uh, I got 15 days written and, but once I get those 15, next 15 days written or whatever, 40 days, whatever I decide to do, then I'm going to go back and add paragraphs and stuff like that. So it's going to take me a while, but what's the point of that? And that's this, um, it's not what people not there are saying. It's what people are there saying. So if someone gets up and was to testify, I know that God loves me even as a, even uh, as a homosexual, even with me and my you know uh, same sex partner. I know God loves me, and it's okay. That would be wrong. That wrong, <laughs> right? Right? That would be wrong. You know, that's a false spirit and a false testimony. Okay. But what if they go, Hey, I was gay, and God touched me. And I'm set free from homosexuality. That's God. And that's how you judge it by the fruits. And that's what's happening up there. Now, that doesn't mean everyone is set free. That means everyone in there. I don't know the lives of everyone in there. I would, I'm going to trust the leadership that they're making sure of who's up there. Right? You know, if you're up there and you're singing and you're worshiping and you're not repentive, then of sins, like you can't be repentive of something you've already repented of. Like, let me explain something. If you don't have any active sin in your life, you can't repent. If I, if you're pursuing God, if you're pursuing God with all your heart and you're living a life of holiness, there's no repentance for you. You're in the right way. You're 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 already there. You repented maybe way back there. You, you don't go back there and go, "Why well, it's repentance." For me, and this is always my joy, and it really is my joy. I remember it from Rodney from ushering with Rodney. And when someone would get touched, I could feel like liquid love. I'd be standing, you know, I'd be ushering, walk about Rodney. Rodney, Rodney would have me pull someone out and then I would catch him. And I would literally feel the liquid love when the Holy Spirit fell on me. It's like I could feel it. And I would just start, my heart would just be so full because I could see God getting this person. Like, this person is having his moment 
her moment with the Lord, with Holy Spirit. And it was beautiful to me. And that's why I love, I love being up there. I love seeing God just um, touch them and seeing that and seeing the joy on their face, seeing what it's like to be free. Now they have to learn how to stay free, all that stuff. All that stuff is real. That's where I love the, the dean. And I, I don't even know the dean's name, but um, if I could find him, um, he said, you have to go back to your, um, you got to go back to your local churches. And it's there that you will, um, it's there that you walk this out. And I love that because that's so true. And we don't realize that the purpose of the local church is for them to walk out their salvation, to walk out um, um, what God is doing in their life up there. I'm going to think that maybe the dean was Dr. Venz. We were way back, so you know I wasn't up close, but it looks like him. And this guy gave such a beautiful message, and um, it was so wonderful, and um, it, it was really nice. It was really sweet and uh, precious, to be honest with you. And he was just, he was overwhelmed. Uh, so I, I just think that that's beautiful. And now, does that mean everything's perfect? Absolutely no. Absolutely not. You can't have repentance. You can't have sinners come in and everything be perfect. Do you understand? Like it, it's not going to happen. They're going to come in unclean. But let God clean them. Let God work things out in in the, in their midst, in their hearts. Stop, stop. You know, you go. Well, they didn't do that in the day of Pentecost. Well, number one, the Jews were there for a feast, so most of those Jews were practicing Jews. You know what they didn't have? They didn't believe adultery was okay, homosexuality was okay, fornication was okay. They didn't have sexual sin, number one. Their biggest problem, most of those at, that were at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, were not, um, they were tied to the law and not to Christ. You understand? Their problem wasn't um, that they were in all kinds of sins, like the Greeks were, the Romans were, right? The Jews then weren't, for the most part. But you still have to repent. Why? Because the righteousness that comes from the law is inferior to that which comes by faith in Christ. And that's why you have to repent. Okay. All right. But if you sin, repent. Jesus told I'm, I'm all into repentance. Don't get me wrong. What do we do from here? Well, we just see which way God moves. Um, I think this has still got some... Um, I don't know what the right word is. Um, uh, processing to do. God's not done with this portion. Um, I know he doesn't want to stay at Ashbury or Lee University or any of those universities. But this is where the youth are. You know, why is God going there? Because these are the prodigals. The prodigals are that 25 and under crowd that went after other things. And they might be 30, they might be 35 and all that. But this is what's going on. Okay, this is what's going on there. All right, and so we've got to understand that, what's happening to these youth. Okay, 
and that's the prodigals. And you know what you do when the prodigals come home? You don't give them a bunch of rules. What you do is you hug them, you put the ring on, you put a new robe on, you put new shoes on, shoes on, you kill the fatted calf, and you have a party. Now, and so you restore them. You know what you know what you do later is you monitor your your new your son who's home and you make sure that he is living it out now that he's home. How do you know if the prodigal goes, well, I'm gonna have a party with a bunch of girls, you know, that's wrong. And so so well you you that's where the church comes in, that's where fathers come in, that's where you know pastors come in and is to help these people uh, as they go back to their local churches to help facilitate what they've experienced. But don't put the fire out. Don't go, well, they're not perfect. They, well, okay. You know, if they're new believers, then have a new believers course for them or teach them what it means to be born again and the cross and all that. If they're former believers, admonish them that, look, don't leave the cross again. Don't leave Christ again because it's filthy out there and you're not guaranteed another, another revival. So let's look at a scripture I love. Look at Acts chapter 3, um, verse 19 uh, through 21. So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshings, or refreshing, of recovery from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send to you the Christ, the Messiah, who before was designated and appointed for you, even Jesus, whom heaven must receive and retain until the time for the complete restoration of all that God spoke by the mouth of all his holy prophets uh, for ages past, from the most ancient time in the memory of man. So the revival, repent, and revival comes. And that's what happened here, folks. It's exactly what happened. Apparently there was a girl who was at the altar. It was time to go to class. They had prayer time at the chapel. or at the, I think they call it the chapel. And she was going back to class. She says, you know, I don't feel there was something not right. Like I didn't, there's something I feel like God's not done with me yet. And she asked the teacher, can I go back and teach her? I love the fact that the teacher said yes. I love that the, the most important thing for them was prayer. By the way, holiness. I, I, I love that. <sighs> Amazing. Because they could have said, no, it's time for class. They didn't. Never keep people away from God. That's a bad thing to do. And so she went back and began to pray. Others began to come back and pray. And it just, look, they started repentance. They started repenting. Oh, God, I'm, I know I'm not right. Yeah, you know, you know that pornography I'm looking at, that's wrong. Oh, oh, you know that, you know, I have some same-sex attraction. That's not right. You know, Lord, I don't feel like I've really been pursuing you. I've kind of left my first love. Lord, yeah. Yeah, forgive me. They started repenting of these things. And guess what came? Repent so that, listen, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
Repentance, refreshing. We often think it's refreshing than repentance. No, 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 no. doesn't work that way. It might have only been a millisecond apart, but you have to understand, when repentance came, the fire fell. Why? Because when repentance comes, you're putting yourself back on the altar. And when there's, when there's a sacrifice on the altar, the fire will fall in time. Just remember that. Keep yourself on the altar before God. I'm yours. Whatever you need to do in me, Lord. Whatever you need from me, Lord. Take all of me, Lord. Take all of me, Lord. Everything you need of me. Everything you need. I, get, I hold nothing back from you. I give you everything in my life. And then a fire falls. And so sometimes we think... The fire's got to fall. See, that's what, that's what a lot of people think. The fire falls, and then there's times of refreshing. Or the fire falls, then there's repentance. No. It's repentance that puts us back on the altar that the fire falls. Now you go, wait a minute. There's already a hundred people there, and someone walks in. The fire's not going to fall on them until they repent. Now it could be a millisecond. It might not be anything verbal. They might be just sitting there going, they, this might it might be as simple as this. Lord, others have you. Others have you. I want you. That's repentance to God. Do you understand? Like God, you know, <laughs> we sometimes we don't understand what repentance is. There's confessing of sin. Lord, I've been involved in pornography. Lord, I've been involved in stealing. Lord, I've been involved of uh, fornicate, Lord, I've been involved, whatever, okay? That's confessing of sin. What is repentance? So let me give you an image of repentance. When when God, let's turn, I'm going to go to my um, New King James, just because it's easier for me in that, because it's my dominant, it's like my dominant hand, you know? It's my dominant translation, and it becomes more natural for me in um in this than it does uh, this. So, um, listen to this. Listen, I want to. I'm going to get on a paint a picture of repentance. I'm not going to give you doctrine of repentance. I'm going to paint the picture in of repentance. Okay. So he drove out man. This is um, Genesis three. He drove out man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. And the flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to tree life. So, where did he put? Where did he push man out towards the east? Okay, um, why? Well, that's why he put the the tree or the uh, angel on the east side because paradise. The word paradise or garden, garden paradise is like is paradise is a garden with three sides. All right. So now, when. When it was required forever Israel to um, to set up the tabernacle, that they had to set the tabernacle, they had to set the Ark of the Covenant on the west side. Okay? And you can look this up in Scripture. And then they constructed it. They put the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? And then they'd build the tabernacle going east. Why? 
So the east side, you had to come in going west. Why? Because God kicked them out of the garden on the east side. This is the, this is the visual of repentance. Repentance isn't just changing your mind, even though the Greek says that. But the picture in the kingdom is this. I was walking one way, and I turned, and I returned the path of the Lord. And I'm walking towards him now, not away from him. Repentance is coming back in to the holiness of God, coming back into the holy place of God, coming back in to the place where God, but you only can come, listen, you can only come in from the east side. Now that's metaphorically speaking. What is it trying to say to us? What God corrected with the tabernacle was a restoration. Listen, was a restoration of the garden. This is why they weren't allowed to wear anything that made them sweat because there was no sweat in the garden. That was part of the curse when they were kicked out of the garden. Now, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the ground. Okay? But when we come before God, we're not supposed to have anything that makes us sweat. No cotton or no wool. Cotton only. Linen only. I think they called it linen because it's cotton. And that was it. Why? Because you were supposed to be cool, because you were supposed to be free from the weight of sin, because God walked with them in the cool of the day. God, God walked with them in the garden. The garden was neither hot nor cold. The garden was a steady temperature. <laughs> you know, the garden, just like, look, look, when they're in the wilderness, it's a cloud by day. And a fire by not. Why? Because if you've ever been in a desert, desert can shift like 70, 80 degrees. It can go from blistering hot to you could get hypothermia during the day. And so the cloud covered them from the sun and shielded them from the sun during the day. But the fire by night kept them warm and shielded them from the cold. It heated up the place. It's an amazing thing. So when we think of repentance and what's happening at Asbury, think of this. They're coming back in. If we really had the wisdom, we would build every sanctuary west to east. That's how we'd build it. Okay? Because it would just signify something. It, you could always sit there and remind people. To, it's not a religious thing. It's a visual thing. In other words, you know, sometimes we, do, we, should do, we should do things that bring a visual lesson to a spiritual application so that people could understand it better because we're more visual learning than most people. Most people are not textual learning as much as they think. They, they are more visual than they think. That's what Jesus, why Jesus, you never see Jesus teaching them how to heal. Even though he probably did, but they watched Jesus heal. <laughs> you know what I mean? They watched him pray. They watched him heal the sick and and so they just emulated it because that was a Jewish thing. All right. And that's what's going on. Now, what do we do after that? Well, we have to find a way to, and I and I believe that's also found in the Bible. And I think this is where it's got to go. I think we need to, our local churches, we need to keep them. I, I'm not an advocate for no local church. Okay. I'm not an advocate for that at all. Um, but... I think there's something we've always missed, and, and I, I said this this morning on a Facebook Live video, that um, we should um, 
have more of the breaking of bread than we do. So in Acts chapter 2, the church grows this way. Listen, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And by the way, I think that I would really recommend up there that, and I might send a letter, I highly recommend that you baptize these kids um, if you get the opportunity. If you have a baptismal and you could just sit there and tell the 25 and unders, um, we're going to hold a baptismal service for you and and do that. I would highly recommend that they do that. And um, and uh, they were baptized. It says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Um, and and I, I think that's so important, the apostolic doctrine. And then it says this, uh, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And that's the part that I think we also need. Open up your home, not for a home church, not, not for a home church. Just invite a, a Christian friend over. Just invite a Christian friend over and say, hey, why don't you come on over tonight? Let's pray together. Let's read the word together. Let's break bread together. Let's have some fellowship together. Like, that's what we should be doing. All right? That's really what we should be doing. And I think that, you know, and, and I tell people, you don't want to do a home church. I, I've given my home. It's, this home is 30 years old. I gave my home to home church. I gave it to the Lord. And so it, it's gotten beat up. Okay? And um, we're trying to, we're now starting to renovate stuff, but it, it, it got beat up because we had, we've had over, if I counted every, like if I counted every individual that walked through the door, but no matter how many times they came over, they counted as one click, 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 click and clicked it. It'd probably be over 10,000 people in our house in 30 years. I, I mean, I'm telling you, this house was full Saturday night after Saturday night, 20, 30, 40 people. We've had people come over in the middle of the week, end of the week. I mean, we opened up our home and uh, to be a safe haven. <clears throat> and so you can do this. Look, you can do this. And then you bring those new people that come in and they don't have a church. Go, hey, why would you like to go to church with me Sunday? You know, I, I it's hard to catch. Like for me, I would do that. I would do that with people. I would take them. Then they would come to me to School of Prophets. They come to me church on Sunday. That's how I did it in the 90s. When I was a member of New Life Christian Fellowship, we opened up our home and we brought people to New Life. Matter of fact, when we first got saved, the first couple years, uh, we led about 42 families to Christ. And we would just lead people. We remember, you know, like the mother, the father, the kids all getting saved. But we brought them to church. We didn't go, hey, we'll just stay in our home. Because number one, they need the wisdom of a, of a healthy senior leader. They need that wisdom. I just hate to tell you, but... But it doesn't mean you can't teach them what you know. So if you're weak saved over that person, you know more than that person. So, by the way, it will also cause you to study. It will do that. It will actually help, it helped me grow because um, I just want to tell everyone about Jesus. I just want to tell people about Jesus. I, I, this was living food for me, the, the, the bread of life here. And, and I, I would just eat it. And it was such food to my soul. that, And I, I love to share anything I learned. 
And um, so I think that, you know, that's where it's going to go. I, I, it's going to go to the local churches. But see, we're so stuck to a building. And let me ask you something. In America, what would, what would happen if 100 million people got saved? Do you think they would all fit in the church? They're not going to fit. And we've got to think in a mindset, how are we going to handle the harvest? And I, I, this is where I think that we should do it. Uh, that's what I think we should do. And um, that's my advice to you. I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. I'm going to um, bless you. Uh, go to lewisdcn.com. Go to thegatejacks.com. We have another section of the course coming up starting March 28th. Uh, it'll be the priesthood. I'll be teaching that for eight weeks. We just finished his calling uh, last night and really excited about that. But you can go to lewisdc.com, go to the school. You'll see what we're doing. Um, and we'll have a new code up soon for the next section, which is the priesthood. Again, it starts March 28th. I'll probably uh, get that posted where you could start signing up uh, probably the beginning of March. Um, and then look, if you want to support me and Kathy, I have a lot of missions trips coming up this year. We, we really need your support because, um, I'm going to Italy. I'm going to Uganda. By the way, I'm going to Lakeland. I'm going to Memphis. Those are, you know, stateside missions. It's not uh, a necessary preaching engagement. When I go preach, normally the church who's hosting me pays for me to come in or, or at least gives me an offering and it covers the expenses. But that isn't always, when I go on missions trips, I, I, you know, usually I'm funding it up front. And so you can help us with that um, and so that we can uh, accomplish all that. We've, we're going to Italy, going to Lakeland, I'm going to Memphis. And then after that, we're supposed to go to Uganda later this year. If you want to support that, go to lewisdcana.com forward slash donate. You can give a one-time offering. You give a partner. You can become a partner with us. Um, if, if we're a blessing to you, would you do that? Would you also do this? Would you hit subscribe? Would you hit like uh, on the video? Would you would you let me know what you're thinking about? If if you have any questions about what I'm doing, would you comment? All helps the algorithms and all those things. I appreciate that. I love you. God bless you. And you have an amazing day. Bye-bye.